Welcome back to the DC Yoga Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Parkinson. We're here in DuPont Circle at the lovely Hyrick House with producer Panama. My guest today is Catherine Marquette. Uh, she is a student and teacher of yoga and lover of travel. Uh, she likes to dabble in artistic crafts like photography, voiceovers, and improv. She happens to be a marketing executive who develops brands, grows partnerships, and communicates messaging. She's happy as practicing yoga, going on a hike, or exploring a new city, attending a sporting event, or writing in her journal. She hopes to get to know everybody in the podcast uh, and uh, has a chance to work together with everyone. Welcome, oh, Catherine. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. What's going on? Not much. Not much. Not much. Cool. I went to a sporting event last night. You did. We, I did. We can talk about that for a moment. The Nationals. It was yeah. Game three. It was game three. Yeah. I pulled in a favor. I used to work in baseball for years. So oh, I did. called my, yeah, I worked for the New York Mets for four seasons and called in a favor and got tickets. And I was actually cheering for the home team, even though they're a division rival, but didn't, didn't turn out too well last night. No, was it was the atmosphere pretty crazy last oh night? Oh my God, it was amazing. It was amazing. How did you even get in the stadium? Because like when I was like getting out of work at like 630, it, it, people were telling me like you couldn't get within two blocks of the stadium because there were so many people down there like in the bullpen and just milling around. Totally. We um, we almost went down the bullpen, which I think we would have been about three innings late to the game, but we decided not to and went straight to the ballpark and got in in 20 minutes. It wasn't bad. Oh, that's not bad at all. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, we didn't win last night, but game four is this afternoon, game five tomorrow. You know, I think it's sweeter if you don't sweep. You know, I think it's sweeter when you win. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just the, trying to make the, all the Nats feel, I know, feel better. Feel better, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, no Al Davis, the former owner of the Oakland A Oakland uh, uh, Oakland Raiders, used to say, "Just win, baby." Yeah, that's it. Just yeah. win. <laughs> They'll do it tonight. Yeah, no, I hope. Um, so cool. Um, when did you uh, When did you start yoga? Oh, I started yoga. I know this is a question that you always ask, and I was trying to think of like the very first class that I took. Mm -hmm. It was actually via VHS tape, so that ages me a yeah. little bit right back there when Guy M had the Rodney Yee and Patricia Walden mm -hmm. video cassettes. I had been a competitive runner in college, and when I first moved to D.C. right after undergrad, I was still racing competitively, had a coach, did all of that, and ended up having not one but two foot surgeries, which sort of sidelined me forever when mm -hmm. it came to running. And my doctor had suggested that I try yoga. And I was really fortunate in the sense that I was living in Woodley Park and Unity Woods was right there at the time. Yeah. And I was just an ignorant 20-something, so I didn't realize that there were different types of yoga. And I just said, oh, there's a studio there. I'll just go to that. So I went to Unity Woods. And between those classes and then the VHS tapes with Rodney and Patricia, that was kind of it. Mm -hmm. That's great. So your first experience was, was with John and and uh, Iyengar and exactly. doing all the alignment stuff. Exactly. And 17 years or so later, I'm still an Iyengar student first. That's, That's great. my practice. Um, so uh, so back then, probably not a lot of yoga studios in D.C. I mean, you were pretty lucky to be living across from one. I was right? so lucky to be. I mean, so lucky to be living across from one. And I feel incredibly lucky having it be an Iyengar studio at that. Um, I'm a very Pitta personality. Mm -hmm. So had I been living across from, say, a power-driven yoga class, I'd probably not be into it. I don't think, because it would have been fueling that side of my personality, whereas Iyengar has really helped try to balance that as mm -hmm. best as possible. I'm still a Pitta 17 years later, so there's still a lot of work to do, yeah. but it's why it's a practice. Yeah, absolutely. When uh, when did you start saying to yourself, okay, I need to learn like how to teach this stuff? Uh, it wasn't until business school. 
So I went to Georgetown for my MBA about nine years after undergrad and really did not see myself working in corporate America, which is kind of odd because my first job out of business school is at Pepsi, so totally corporate America. But going into my second year of business school, I really wanted to own a yoga studio. That was just what I wanted to do. This was about 10 or 11 years ago. And I had an independent professor who helped me with this assignment. And for six months, I analyzed the business of yoga. And to your point, there were not that many studios back then. Mm-hmm. And in the process of working with her, she started quizzing me. She goes, well, you know, how are you going to evaluate a teacher and what they know? And if they're good, we were talking about that a little bit of what makes a good teacher. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here going, hmm, good question. And she goes, and what do you do when you open up your doors and say you've got a class of 20 students, if you're so lucky, sitting there waiting and the teacher's stuck in traffic? Are you just going to cancel class? And I'm like, hmm, good question. And she goes, or better yet, you're just starting out. How are you even going to hire a, stu- a teacher without students? Mm-hmm. And you might have to be said teacher in the beginning. And I'm just like, hmm. I just finally looked at her and I said, are you suggesting that I should maybe be a teacher? And she goes, well, you should at least study it and learn what they need to know. <laughs> like, that's a start. Yeah. And so that's what actually introduced me to Boundless Yoga and Kim Weeks, who we were chatting about, you had on recently. Yeah. Um, she was an Iyengar student. She's now an Iyengar teacher, but she was an Iyengar student at the time. And she really taught with alignment and anatomy principles at the base of everything she was doing and really added also her own flavor of this energetic, just body work into it and Mm -hmm. really resonated with me. It also fit, quite frankly, my graduate school schedule. Mm -hmm. It was once a month for 12 months. So I was able to do that and ended up graduating and then moved straight to New York City. And that's when I entered my 300 hour through Yoga Works, um, which I'm now a level one certified Yoga Works instructor. I um, am assisting their teacher training programs. And so it's worked out quite well. I still don't own that yoga studio. Yeah, I was about to say, what happened to the yoga studio? You know, it's still a dream. It really is. I mean, we can get into like it the. It might business. be better off as a dream. It might be better off as a I mean, dream, I, right? Well, because I, I played around with owning a yoga studio too, and we did talk about it with Kim Weeks a couple of weeks ago. But like, I'm just sort of staggered by the amount of uh, well, the, the the hardship you have to go through to own one because it it is not it is not cheap and it is not easy and it's a lot of hard work. And not that I'm afraid of hard work. It's just that I want the hard work to end up paying off. And I feel yep. like there's a lot of barriers, especially in DC to getting a successful yoga studio. You could own a yoga studio yeah. in DC, but making a successful yoga studio, right? I know. I think um, if I ever win the lottery, it's going to probably be my first purchase. Um, but yeah, up until that moment, and since I don't play, that probably will never happen. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But I still think that there's a way to make them successful. I just don't think the current model Model is what is making them successful. Yeah, I, no, I definitely agree. Um, so talk to us about teaching. Where do you teach? How often do you teach? Yeah, I yeah. teach twice a week at the Yoga Works. Now in DuPont Circle, I was at the 14th Street location, but that unfortunately recently closed. Mm-hmm. Um, so thankfully, though, I'm one of the teachers that was absorbed into the DuPont Circle location. So I teach on Sunday mornings, a level one, two class, and then on Monday nights, a level two class. Mm-hmm. And are, well, did you ever go through a period where you taught like, an, an, a, you know, whole bunch of classes where you did like 10, 15 classes a week where you were a full-time teacher or you always had sort of a side gig or a primary gig and yoga has been your side gig. Exactly that. Like I've always had a, had a day job, so to speak. And then yoga has just been my passion play on the side. Um, now that it is, now that I'm going down the path of teacher training, it's hard for it to just be that side gig, even if I'm only teaching the two classes a week, um, because you're constantly in that material. And, um, it's such a new way of thinking. I really love it. I know you do teacher trainer trainings Mm -hmm. as well. And, it's humbling enough to hold space at the front of a classroom and teach students how to practice. Yeah, I do it for nine hours. Yeah. And then it takes a lot. you do it for nine hours 
and then another nine hours and then another nine hours and you're teaching them how to teach other students. It's it's crazy. It's it's so rewarding and humbling and it's an amazing experience. Uh, it is. I mean, it's, it, it is very humbling. Um, if you can like get past yourself sometimes, it can get like it can get to be a lot like, yeah. holding that much energy and then you're sitting the whole time and. You know, even though you're talking the whole time, it, it's still like just a lot of sitting and it's a lot of talking and it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of energy. Yeah, for sure. I've only um, this is my second one that I'm assisting and I co-lead my first one next February mm -hmm. and I'm already just nervous energy. I texted Kim mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, my God, guess what I'm going to be doing? And then I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> and she's like, you're ready for this. She goes, but to your point, it's different. And, you yeah. know, it, it's probably good to start getting prepared because mm -hmm. February 14th is going to come around here sooner than later. I mean, I have a secret for you here. Yeah. The tell. Secret, secret is, I won't tell anyone. No, no. The, <laughs> the secret is the hard part is happens before the first class. Yeah. In other words, like, especially for me anyway, because I have such a, I have to run my own program. Vita gives me help with marketing and everything, but ultimately it's up to me and how much I get paid based on how many people come to my program. Yeah. So um, I'm always like constantly worried that no one's going to show up and that I'm not going to have anybody in my program and that it's going to be a disaster. And so when 15 people finally do show up, I'm always like, shit, hard part's done. Yeah. <laughs> like the next part's easy. Yeah. You yeah. know, because then you just have fun with it because like they're there to learn from you and like it's not... It's not like you need to go to school like and then regurgitate what you just learned in school. You've had an experience and you've been a yoga teacher for six, seven, eight, ten years. Yeah. And all you're doing is literally going into your own brain and getting that to come out to the students because that's what they're paying for. Yep. They're not paying to listen to you for what you read in a book. They're paying to listen to you what you've learned and experienced through teaching for so many years. And that, if you're a kind of an outgoing person, yep. is pretty easy to do, actually. Oh, good. Like you find you have like not enough time to talk about as much as you want. Yeah, you that's know? what I'm noticing just even in the uh, in assisting these, the one I did last fall and now the one I'm doing now. There's just so much information to share. And um, while you have, quote unquote, mm -hmm. 200 hours in which to share it, it's not enough. Like there's yeah. just too much. Yeah, I know, right? It, it it goes by fast when you're when you're teaching it, you know. Um, Just a little side note, I think it's funny that you were saying like, is anyone gonna show up? I joke with my mom sometimes, like when I'm throwing parties or things like that, I get so nervous that no one's gonna show up, <laughs> and I'm convinced in a prior life I must have thrown this massive event, maybe in this gorgeous space that we're in right now. I don't know, and no one showed up. Like either I got the date wrong or the time wrong or something. So right. like, it's such a fear. I'm glad I'm not the only one that has that. No, I think no, it is. Yeah, it's it was. Last year especially was was bad because uh, or was bad for me anyway because we had we had a program going and it started in the middle of January, and at the beginning of December I had one person signed up and I was like oh god, this is gonna be this is gonna be a disaster and it turned out okay. Is there ever a limit nice. where you don't hold it? No, I mean I think we I, so no and yes. I mean yeah. if there were only like four people signed up, I probably would be like okay, we're gonna do this, but it's probably gonna be the last year because you know, I'm not going to do this two years in a row. Yeah. And it's not that, you know, I don't do it for, I don't do it for the money, right? I do it for the experience and to teach students. Uh, but at the same time, like it is what, I mean, our program is different than a lot of programs. I spend every moment in the studio with the students. So you're 100% the lead trainer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. yeah. So like, in other words, like, you know, we'll get down, we'll get into the Yoga Alliance, you know, stuff later on. But like in my class, for example, I have, I think ours is 160 yeah, 162 contact hours. And then I think the other 35, they're doing taking yoga classes from somebody else. Yep. 
So like I'm there the entire time. So I'm not one of these student teachers who shows up on day one and is like, okay, you're gonna have all these assistant teachers and uh, see you later. Right, you're not the face of the program, nope. but never see they never see no. you again except on graduation day. Exactly. Yeah. So like to put in that amount of work and that amount of effort, like yeah, I'm giving up my weekends. So yeah, I mean, I should get paid for that. Yep, totally. You know, like, you know, there's a profession around it. Yeah, exactly. You know. Um, so, uh, so maybe that is like a good lead into kind of like one of your other jobs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. My job at Yoga Alliance. Yeah. Tell us about that. I'm, gosh, I don't know. What's your title? I am vice president of marketing and communications. Yeah. That's what's up. Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) So I was a marketing executive for, uh, or marketing person, individual, professional, what, what, what have it, um, Pretty much my whole career. I've spent it mostly in sports and entertainment. So I worked at DC United for many a years and then worked at Pepsi and their sports marketing group, worked at New Balance and its partnership marketing group, worked at the Mets for a while, and then even New York Roadrunners, which is the group that puts on the New York City Marathon. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've always been into the professional sports, segueing into participant sports, segueing into now um, this lovely practice that sort of depending on who you are and how you define what yoga is or what your experience with yoga is, it can be anything from the exercise phase that some people are doing it all the way to what we really know it is of the eight limbs and the spirituality and all of that. So Mm -hmm. um, it's been really nice. As I said earlier at the top, I was an athlete in college. And so I had always been at a very high physical level, which I think is matched really well with the professional sports universe. But then as I got injured and I segued more into health and wellness, it's very interesting that my professional career has also followed suit. But Mm -hmm. long story short, I manage marketing communications for Yoga Alliance. Did you ever, when you were, when you were, um, in all those other, well, see, because right, here's the thing: when I watched professional baseball, yeah. I wanted to be a professional baseball player when I was a kid. Yeah. And one of the things I never go to baseball games because, uh, like, I am just so hypercritical, like, about the players, right? Like the mistakes they make, and they're out of position, and they sh- you shouldn't be swinging at that pitch, and you know, because I myself believe that if I were down there, of course I would do a better. Of job. Of course you would. Yeah. We would have won like, last night. Of course, exactly. <laughs> and like, so I, I, li- I can't get. Did you ever have that experience? Like when you were when you were with all these teams, where you were looking down there, you're like, God damn, like I could do that shit. Like why am I not down there? Like did you ever go through that, or was it, was mm-hmm. it kind of just like. No, not as much, but my, my example, um, and I love actually that we're in almost 2020 and, you know, the Mystics won the WNBA championship, yeah, which is did. huge. And the women's world cup, like that team won again, which is amazing. Um, 20 some odd years ago, women didn't necessarily have those same role models. So it was never one of those things when I was looking at professional sports that it was ever for me, mm. um, which is kind of sad, but I love that my nieces and my nephews are growing up and they see professional athletes of all genders, you know, which is just mm-hmm. amazing. Um, I think for me even last night I was such a critic more so of the marketing I'm sitting there in the stands and I'm looking at the in-game entertainment being like hmm I wonder why they made that choice or I'm looking at how PNC Bank is a sponsor but they also have a credit union and I'm like I wonder what the deal is well how could they have two financial institutions and so that's where my brain doesn't turn off when I go to sporting events and it's Mm -hmm. kind of annoying (laughs) and particularly with anyone I'm with because I just start to point those out and people are like only you would be watching that. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why Ben's Chili Bowl is behind the third baseline. They would do so much better behind home plate. Like. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so do you find like the work experience has translated into Yoga Alliance? I mean, is that, you know, your experience translates pretty well into the yoga universe? I mean, because yoga 
not a sport. Yeah, definitely not a sport. Um, <laughs> not a sport at all. But I think it does very much so. I mean, if you think about it, it's um, touching the end consumer. And um, so it's cool because to use like some geeky marketing terms, there's both B2B and B2C. Like we're, we're marketing to schools and teachers directly who are then the ones in service of the consumer slash practitioner in this case. Um, and ultimately, I think if we do our jobs properly, um, there's a huge B2C business to consumer marketing message that needs to happen in order for our members to actually be more successful. Mm -hmm. um, if we can create value and drive value in the marketplace, and again, I'm using a lot of business terms that probably make my coworkers cringe, um, but there's truth to it. If we can create value in the marketplace for our credentials and the practitioner knows to ask whether a teacher is a registered yoga teacher at the, 300, at the 200 or the 500 level, for instance, or if a trainee or prospective trainee is looking at a school and they know to ask, is this a registered yoga school? That is great. That is success because that's going to help our members see the value in the credential and be able to market that as well and be able to use that as a differentiator from the studio across the across the street mm -hmm. that also runs a yoga school. Mm -hmm. So let's take it back to the beginning. You were telling me earlier Yoga Alliance has been around since 1999. Is that it right? is. We're celebrating 20 years 20 soon, years. which is crazy. So how did it get started? Can you give us kind of like a quick history of it and like who started it and why and kind of what was like where? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because if you, we we went back as actually as we're getting ready to tell our 20, 20 years of story, um, we went back into the archives and as best we could started to piece that story together. But it starts as um, far back as even in the 80s. Um, I'm going to just check my little cheat sheet so I don't get it wrong. But <laughs> there was a European yoga teachers conference in Switzerland as far back as November 1982 um, when people first started talking about the need for standards and um, honestly bare minimum standards just to be that mark of of not excellence, but mark of a level of understanding, a foundational knowledge base of what yoga is. And um, that conversation continued and in, even into the 90s. And um, when Yoga Journal started their conferences um, sort of on the heels of Unity and Yoga and what their conferences had been, um, it, a group of a number of different individuals um, came together and really started talking about, hey, there's a need for this now. Like yoga is becoming more popular. Um, and this was in 1999. I can't even imagine if that same group were coming together today. And, you know, it's not even becoming more popular. It is there. It is main, mainstream. And mm -hmm. we can talk about the pros and cons of that as well, because I think it's led a bit to commodification of yoga. And having lived in New York City for a bit of time, I... I won't say lovingly joke because I, I think it's actually sad, but there's this dollar slice pizza mentality of yoga teaching that you don't necessarily see with soul cycle or solid core or things like that. And mm -hmm. that's a whole thing we can chat about. But um, so anyway, so back in the mid to late nineties, um, people came together and started recognizing that we needed to create a base of standards and we needed to create a way in which the practitioner can find someone who holds a credential that represents those standards. Um, so Yoga Alliance was ultimately born in late 1999 um, as that, basically a credentialing body that could be that mark to mm -hmm. the public. And then what unfortunately for many years we became known as only being, and that is a registry of schools and teachers where you could type in your zip code and you would pop up here in DC and I would pop up in DC. Or the yellow pages of exactly. yoga. Exactly. Yeah. The yellow pages of <laughs> yoga right when Google was first mm -hmm. forming. Um, so the idea was the beginning was to, was to credential uh, teachers then. 
like this was both like you know because right now it's it's the schools and it's the teachers and like it was just for like teachers let's find a way to kind of credential teachers so that you know kind of what you're getting when you when you go to a yoga class right yeah i mean both schools and teachers because obviously the te- the schools are the ones who create the teacher um and so really trying to create a baseline of standard um and right now our standards support our school credentials and our schools then graduate and certify the teacher and then they get an invitation to join yoga alliance where we would then issue the teacher credential right um so just to i guess and this is what this is people always ask this in their yoga teacher training program so if you're interested you're interested in yoga teacher training programs out there first of all you should take mine secondly or mine yeah, exactly <laughs> uh, so so what you understand is the way it works right yeah. which is you you apply to a program and there's different standards for which programs will take you some, yes. some have requirements pre-requirements others don't you know there's an application you pay a fee you do the program it, it can vary in length of time sometimes they're i mean i've had programs that are like two and a half weeks long right yeah and there are programs that are 18 months long um and then when you graduate from that program you get a certificate from the lead trainers of that program Correct. saying you have you have done 200 hours of training and in our opinion you are good to go to teach yoga to other people yep and then if they want they can become a part of yoga alliance Right. Absolutely. So, we are a voluntary organization, and I think that's one thing that we've gotten a knock on in the past of not saying enough that we are voluntary. Um, so we are. That said, a lot of the marketplace has made us somewhat that de facto requirement. Um, so we also understand that and take that to heart and appreciate that there's a responsibility in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you described it exactly right. And um, if I were to coach someone thinking about, you know, I want to be a teacher, perhaps, how do I investigate a teacher training program? Um, Number one thing is make sure that it is in honor of the type of yoga you like to practice that you would want to teach. And I, and I think you and I are both nodding our heads, like, of course, but I actually don't think enough students do that. Um, And I think it's critical because you have to resonate with the way in which yoga is presented in that program. Um, Certainly the ones in the West tend to be centered around asana predominantly, Mm -hmm. but that's not all of yoga. And like, are you making, are you getting the philosophy thrown in there not thrown in there ideally, but inner, you know, interjected in there and interwoven in such a way that it represents your knowledge and understanding of. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's a really critical piece. Um, There, to your point, there are some that are done, I think in 19 days straight. Yeah, I know how that's crazy there's so much to learn like i took my first 200 was over 12 months yeah mine was mine was eight so yeah yeah i mean i needed that time in between to really have it integrate you have to soak let it soak in yeah yeah, and question and then be like i don't understand and come back and but i mean to their credit they're they're still producing teachers and hopefully they're still producing high quality teachers which i know we also want to get into what is that yeah exactly Um, but that is definitely one of the pieces of it and understanding too that the 200 hour is meant to be a foundational level of understanding of yoga. And for me, I don't know about you, I came out of my 200 hour and though taught by Kim, who's a brilliant teacher, um, I had way more questions than answers. You know jack shit. Yeah, you know, you almost realize just how little you know. Um, And then you've got to hold space at the front of a classroom and try to teach, you know, this Mm -hmm. series of asana poses. But um, it is meant to be foundational, it was meant to be the start of, it was never meant to be the end all be all. And I think that is where where we were about a year and a half ago, which was undertaking what we call the standards review project, we wanted to understand why it was that it seemed as though teachers were stopping at 200. And um, while 
you can be a really good teacher with only 200 hours um, over time as you continue to stand up and repeat and mess up and own your mistakes mm-hmm. and be like, ah, let me dig in. Um, there's so much more to learn, as we just mentioned, that it should be a lifelong of learning. It shouldn't stop at that moment. You should still have a teacher. You should still have a home practice, You know, mm-hmm. your own personal practice. You should be doing the continuing education every single year. You should be um, potentially looking at your 300 or your 500 to continue and go down that professional level path of mm-hmm. being a yoga teacher. And um, for whatever reason, it just ended up stopping. And so we found that a lot of teachers were not advancing. A lot of schools then weren't seeing the need to offer the professional level credentials of the RYS 300 or RYS 500. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to explore that and really dig in and understand. And so this, we had this 18 month exploration from not just our membership, but also from the global yoga community, because we do represent schools and teachers across the globe. Well, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that because like, we'll get to the studios in a second and the T and the schools in a second, but let's stay on the teachers for now. How many you were, telling me before how many countries are is yoga, yoga lands in we have registered yoga teachers in 148 countries worldwide which is so exciting yeah there's only like 153 countries in the un i mean this is like, <laughs> this is like almost all of them right I mean, yeah it's pretty impressive um and they do such great work i mean teachers are of service to their communities and to their students and so it's amazing to be able to support them whatever amount we can in their in their journey and their profession of this mm-hmm. um but yeah so we have over a hundred thousand teachers across the globe in 148 countries. How many different uh, countries have schools in them? We have just over 100, I think just the exact, 100. pardon me? Just over 100. Yeah, 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 I think it's like 104. That's amazing. I mean, so you guys have grown an awful lot in 20 years. We have, we yeah. have. It's pretty impressive. And um, we don't know what percentage of schools and teachers we represent, because obviously there are a lot of great yoga schools and yoga teachers out there that are not, affiliated with Yoga Alliance Mm -hmm. um, that hopefully are doing equally great work with great standards and all of that. Um, But it would be curious for us to try to understand what that universe is and then what percentage of it we do have. But um, we do work on, obviously, behalf of our members. We're a 501c6 trade association, so certainly we are a member-based organization. But part of that is actually to do work on the overarching profession as well, whether they're members or not. So a lot of our work that we do with respect to yoga advocacy and with respect to yoga research in general is actually to benefit the overarching profession around our members. Are there um, are there other alliances out there? I mean, is there like, and I don't, I've never even heard of another one. Like, is there like one in France that does? You know, what I mean, that just does France or? Yeah, I so mean, we're looking into all of that. It wasn't really work that the organization did prior to when our former CEO David Lipsius took over about two and a half years ago, and Shannon Roach, our current CEO, has continued that work. Um, we're, we are looking at the landscape. If we are alliance, we should actually probably partner or have relations with some of these other organizations. So um, there's actually a Yoga Alliance Australia, like that's the official name of the organization is Yoga Alliance Australia, mm-hmm. based in Australia. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> there's the British Wheel of Yoga that does a lot of work in Great Britain. Um, there are a number of other organizations across the globe as well who have been around longer than we have um, that have very similar credential levels in terms of 200, 300, 500 and do teacher training programs and provide credentials to yeah, teachers. I was, I was going to say, like, I don't I mean, imagine in... in um, in the United Kingdom and Australia, 
But what if you're like, a, you know, you want to become a yoga teacher in Germany? Do you go to a 200-hour yoga teacher training program? A lot like, of them, yeah. Like, is that, or is it like, do they have like 150 hours? Or do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how do they how do they bill it over there? You know, in order in the country. No, it's such a great question. And um, for instance, we were looking at Yoga Alliance Australia recently, and they have 200, 250, 300, 350, so different mm-hmm. levels like that. Um, but the 200-hour seems to be pretty synonymous nowadays. Yeah, yeah, pretty standard. And from what I understand, um, what it came from was the group of individuals who came together, you know, from the Unity and Yoga Days and the Yoga Journal Conference and starting to talk about, mm-hmm. you know, do we need this body? Um, they were looking at, well, when we went to India and we did our teacher training, how many hours? What, it, what was that structure like? And they basically were like, oh, well, you know, we did five hours or, or five days or six days a week for X number of hours for four weeks. And they started doing the math and it was like, oh, 200. Um, oh, that's a scary thing. <laughs> Yogi's doing math. Oh my god. Well, they were levitating in the process. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> um so okay, so switch over to schools, right? Yes. So, um to offer um uh, a certificate, well, if you want a yoga school and you want to teach yoga, you can set up a shop on the corner and say I can teach you yoga and give you a certificate. Let's totally. Put that out there. You can they totally can do it do, in a day. You can totally do that if you want. Um however, um one of the reasons why I decided to register my school with Yoga Alliance uh, was because I did see it as a way of adding legitimacy to my program. Um, And I felt that that was important when I was marketing my program to have legitimacy. Um, And so I had to go through a process of um, registering my school with you guys. Uh, so tell us about that process a little bit. So from my end, what happens is, right, I look up on the website and this was, you know, five years ago and there is, okay, if you want to register at yoga school, you have to have a certain amount of, I think it was like 30 hours of anatomy and you have to have, you know, 25 hours of practical teaching. You yeah. have to have, and it, they break it down into blocks of like set of sets of things you need to do in your program. And so I get an Excel spreadsheet. I put down in those blocks, I put in those blocks. Okay. These amount of hours, we're going to do this. These amount of hours, we're going to do that. And I give that spreadsheet to you guys. Yep. And then you guys look at that and you go, okay, this looks good to me. Uh, and they send it back and they say, okay, you're good to go. Like that was kind of, that was from my end yes. what happened. Of, yes. of course, they sent it back to me once and we're like, we'd like to see you do this. And I was like, oh, fine. Like, no problem. I can <laughs> yeah, do like, that. I, I, I got that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. And that's been the process. Um, and one of the things that um, is happening is we are actually changing said process. We're going to add a little bit more criteria and like oomph to it. Um, I think in the past it was literally that. It was, hey, give me your syllabus. Let me see the block of hours. Um, maybe a conversation about who your lead trainer lead trainers are, where you're going to be located, date, time, that sort of thing. Um, what we're doing moving forward and actually for new schools, new registered yoga schools at the 200-hour level starting in February, we're going to use roughly a quote-unquote 20-point application We're going to use roughly a 20-point application system where we want a letter of intent from the school owner and letters of intent um, from the lead trainers in case they're not one and the same. Um, Same thing about syllabus, same thing about curriculum. We've actually condensed the five categories into four um, and have eliminated the contact versus non-contact and all now have to be classroom hours. So 200 really does mean 200. Um, I think the major- for the majority of our schools, 200 meant 200 to begin with. I think a lot of our schools have been doing great work. Um, but there have been uh, situations where some schools may have taken advantage of, oh, only 125 need to be pure contact. Therefore, what does the other 75 really look like? And we want to, what's that phrase? Um, 
rise the tide with all boats. Wait, rise. What is that phrase? Rise the tide Don't. with all boats or whatever. I get my phrases completely backwards. So um, <laughs> I'm sure that's wrong, but hopefully you know what I mean. Like two, two and a half years ago when David and Shannon first started brainstorming the standards review project, um, my guess is, and they've said it, you know, off the record. Well, now it's on the record, I suppose. But yeah. they've said before that, you know, they would have guessed that 200 might have become 225 or 250. Um, but in the process, they recognized in talking with everyone, 200 is enough to provide that foundational understanding, that baseline, mm -hmm. that can be a shared core curriculum, regardless of style, lineage, methodology, that students could then be able to go out and teach a safe, high-quality group yoga class. Mm -hmm. um, they want to just make sure that everyone was then at that 200 level so that all schools, if you and I were sitting across from each other on, you know, I don't know, Massachusetts Avenue, I could be like, oh, you know, Chris's program is a 200 hour program and it's legit. And he's teaching, though different and different style, he's his students are going to walk out with a core understanding the way that my students will walk out with a core understanding. Um, so backtrack to the application process now for new schools coming in um, and current schools will have a year to catch up to this but we're going to ask for these letters of intent these the stamp the um, syllabus, the curriculum, the lead trainer requirements, we're always going to ask for other protections as well. So a refund policy, you know, that's one of the key complaints that sometimes trainees will hear, will hear from trainees about is the fact that if there was any sort of you know, bad business or what have you between school and trainee that there wasn't necessarily a published refund policy. Well, you know, I think it makes sense that schools should have something like that and that trainees should be able to have access to it. There's going to be a requirement for a grievance policy in case there's anything there that, um, so a trainee is protected, but a school is actually also protected. Um, there's going to be a sexual misconduct policy. We're going to ask each school to have a code of conduct as well so that trainees understand what to expect lead trainers know what to expect in terms of how they should deliver messaging and how they should act. So yeah, so we're going to be collecting um, a lot more information in the intake process. We also have changed, uh, before it might have been just one person evaluating each application. We're moving into a peer review style, so we'll have at least three different sets of eyes looking at each application. Well, that was one of the things I was going to ask, because like, when I sent in my application, like, who looked at it? Yeah, like, right. I, like, I got an email back from someone who was like, yeah, you need to do this, but was was that person the one, like, looking at my application? Like, like was it a, co a committee? Like, who is doing it? You know, like, tell me about yeah, the like Wizard of Oz. Yeah, like, what's behind the curtain, yes, exactly, right? Yeah. Exactly. So we have, like, such a dedicated team in our credentialing and our member services group both, and they, many of them are members themselves. They're registered yoga teachers as well. Are they full-time, Is it or is it, are they part-time? Yeah, no, we have full-time staff okay. um, managing that, and our credentialing team, is really trained at looking for uh, what makes a high-quality application and what makes a, a complete one. And now, uh, in addition to that one person, we're going to have two others that are looking at it, and they're going to be trained in different areas of expertise um, in terms of you know the core curriculum, in terms of these policies that surround the program to make sure that it's a safe um, program for everyone involved. And um, it's going to be a really good checks and balances that maybe didn't exist before because even if you're really well trained at looking at one application to look at them over and over and over again that's daunting now you, we've got a, more hands on deck basically making sure that these applications are complete I think one of the things I'm actually most excited about and I was a member for 10 years prior to joining Yoga Alliance um, so I oftentimes look at things with a member's lens of wait how how is this party of one going to be looking at this, you know, and mm -hmm. hearing this? And one of the things I love the most is that we're going to be recredentialing, which we haven't done before. Um, so, for instance, uh, where I where I practice and teach, and where I'm now 
teacher training is through Yoga Works. Yoga Works, I think, signed up in 2000, I don't even know, eight, nine, whatever it was. That application is still the application on record. And I'm going to, you know, Yoga Works, I love you. Like, I think they do a really good job with their teacher training. So I don't second guess that it's not up to standards. Mm-hmm. But it's an old application. Moving yeah. forward, even the yoga workses of the world are going to be applying. Well, they're every probably three still years. not teaching the same thing they did back ten years ago. So it's right. like, like even they they recognize that that's outdated. Right? Exactly, so, yeah. exactly. So I think that's that's been a, we've received a really positive response from our school members about that of the fact that you know it's going to be a little bit more work for schools every three years, but. But they also appreciate that you're going to be doing that same work and I'm going to be doing that same work and Kim will be doing that same work. And um, it's it's a shared accountability, a shared responsibility across this voluntary community to mm-hmm. keep these standards high. Otherwise, government regulation might one day come in. Yeah, right. And we we exactly. want to take care of this this community ourselves. I don't want the government coming in and saying what yoga is or what yoga isn't. No, don't mention Voldemort. Don't even say the <laughs> name. Um, okay, so a, a couple of quick common gripes that we get, yes. right? So this is, and this is, you know, you see all this stuff on social media, right? Facebook, Instagram, it's like, like, okay, we're registered with Yoga Alliance, but how do we know they're a good teacher? Yeah. Right? And it's, and so talk to us a little bit about that and kind of like the, kind of the thought process of, behind that and like, you know, it would, it would, I would imagine there is sort of this like, okay, like we are, uh, we are one thing and we don't want to be like the yoga police as well. Right. So it's kind yes. of like a murky area about like how much we're actually going to be involved in people's lives in yoga teaching. Right. Yep. I mean, yeah. Um, so this is not to deflect responsibility at all, no, but yeah. there's a really bad joke of what do you call the person who graduates last from med school? What's that? A doctor. A doctor. Yeah. Right. Nice. Like it's, I mean, it's a bad joke. Right. But right. at the end of the day, um, it's a question that all industries truly can ask is what makes a good physical therapist? What makes a good doctor? What makes a good yoga teacher? What makes a good soul cycle instructor? Um, and it's hard for any one person to define that because one person's experience is going to be different. Um, I think a lot of that is on quite frankly, the school in many ways to graduate or not graduate. Like they are the, the lead trainer in the RYS, the registered yoga school is responsible for identifying whether or not someone has learned what they were supposed to learn from that curriculum that they had submitted to us and to then put out in the world whether or not they are certified to teach yoga based off of what was taught. Um, One of the things we are requiring from a Yoga Alliance standpoint moving forward, which we hadn't before, was an assessment actually by the schools. Now, most schools had assessments already, whether it was a practicum, whether it was an in-class exam, a take-home, in many ways, a combination of all three. Some schools actually didn't, though. They didn't believe that that was necessary, um, that it was, hey, it's the process, it's learning, it's how you absorb. And I, I respect and admire that in many ways. But moving forward, all registered yoga schools will have to actually create an assessment. Yoga Alliance is not defining what that assessment is. We are leaving it up to the RYS, at least for now. Mm -hmm. Part of the standards review project included a survey of over 12,000 yoga schools, yoga teachers, yoga practitioners, um, the broader community. And less than a third actually were interested in any sort of a national assessment of what you should know as a yoga teacher. Um, So that told us a lot. And, And one thing that we heard was that and we knew this already, by the way, but Yoga Alliance is not the definer of yoga. And if Yoga Alliance were to create said standard assessment, we're then somewhat defining what yoga is and or we're putting a lineage or a style or a methodology over another. And so we really do want to leave that assessment level at the school. So number one, 
I think we're, we're trying to do our part with respect to requiring an assessment and enabling and empowering a school to say, yes, that's actually part of your role. Take responsibility for it and don't be ashamed or don't say, oh, but it's yoga. We, you know, assess. Um, mm -hmm. They're going to be representing your brand moving forward as, a, as an RYS and putting them out there in the world. And you want to make sure that you're putting out mm -hmm. a high quality product. Yeah. The other thing is, is at least in the U.S., um, we're grateful and appreciative to be working in a free market economy. So to some extent, what makes a good yoga school is also on the studio that then hire or yoga teacher is on the studio that then hires it. You know, I know I auditioned for you at Vita Fitness mm -hmm. when I first moved back from yeah. from New York. And um, my guess is not everyone in that room probably got offered an opportunity to teach. No, right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think thankfully I did, guys. <laughs> But I, I still That's remember right. your question of why do you not teach with music? Um, but I had an answer because I don't I yeah. don't teach with music. We have too much noise already in in the world. So um, but anyway, but, you know, that's also on to some extent on the studio, on the gym, on the institution that is hiring the teachers to have an audition, have an interview, just like you would any employee, um, because, again, that's in the product that you're offering your students, your practitioners, your clientele. Um, and then there's, I think, opportunity for certainly word of mouth. I mean, good teachers tend to be found mm -hmm. um, for sure. And like you can look to some extent, to some extent class attendance is indicative of that. To some extent it's not. I mean, sometimes it's just, oh, it's a seven o'clock class and I live around the corner and I want to go to that one class. But attendance also, I think, particularly consistently time over time again, I think that's indicative mm -hmm. often of what makes a good teacher. But it is real somewhat... This probably is not official Yoga Alliance language. It's probably more me as a teacher language. But to some extent, it's arbitrary. You know, I love an alignment-based class. Yeah. Um, I'm not into super sweaty flow class where by the time my foot steps up between my hands, I'm being asked to take it back and up. You know, <laughs> like that's not a class for me. So if I'm in that class, I could say, oh, I don't like that teacher. Is that fair? Yeah. It's, is it the teacher? Is it the style of yoga that it is. Yeah, I think one of the things that's missing and all that, and I'm going to ask a very, uh, I'm going to ask a follow-up question in a moment here, but what I, I got to say first is that what people don't understand a lot, I think, especially in the yogi universe, because a lot of yogis and a lot of yogi teachers don't uh, don't work at gyms and they don't, they don't do anything else besides yoga. There are a lot of people who are just full-time, full-time yogis. For example, if you want to get certified as a Pilates instructor, you have to go through hours and hours and hours. It's like f at least 500 hours. It's thousands and thousands of dollars. But at the end of that, you take a very standard exam yep. on what is right and what is wrong about moving in that Pilates school of movement. And then if you graduate from that, then you go to something called the Pilates Method Alliance, which is the... Which Love is, their website. Right. I've been staring at it as we look to revamp <laughs> the Yoga Alliance website. Yeah. It's so clean. Yeah, it's Love cool. It. Yeah. They're, they're great. But their exam is, you know, it's a it's a rigorous exam. Yeah. You have to study for it for a very long time. But it is a it is a very it is something it is one track that you do to make sure that the Pilates instructor is really well qualified. I do like that. Now, on the other opposite end of the spectrum, if you want to be a group fitness instructor at Vita Fitness, you have to take a group fitness exam, either through one, one of several agencies. The most prominent one is AFA and NASM, mm -hmm. right? So if you take that exam, you get a book and you get some videos. And the videos in the books tell you about anatomy. They tell you a little bit about how to design a class. They tell you a little bit about functional movement. They tell you a little about what your job is, what your job isn't. And at the end of that, you take a one-hour exam. And then you can go to any gym in the country and say, I'm a group fitness instructor. Now put that up against 200 hours of in-class training of a yoga teacher. And it's not even close. Because you basically have done 
you've done maybe, I don't know, 20 hours of reading and you took an exam and now you're qualified to teach a group fitness class. And now we're talking about the difference between a group fitness class where people are running and jumping and doing things with their bodies that are pretty dangerous, actually. When you compare that to a yoga class, when people are just standing still, and we have much more rigorous standards for, for a yoga you know, class. And so I don't think yogis get that, that when we talk about this and we talk about, well, are they a good yoga instructor? Or they don't. At the very baseline, if you do a 200-hour program, even if, it, if it's not Yoga Alliance approved, like that teacher is coming out of that program with a lot more knowledge than your normal group fitness instructor who is going to teach at Soul Cycle or is going to teach at Solid Core or is going to teach a group fitness class at Vita. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. So that that alone is guaranteeing them at least right a, a lot more practice, a lot more experience, um, a lot more of mentor-mentee relationship with an actual yoga instructor who has hours and hours and hours of teaching classes. So, yeah, maybe we don't, you know, get so high and mighty about, like, are instructors good or not? You know, they're going to be pretty good, like, yeah. if, you, if you do that program, right? Um, and I think people, I think that gets missed. I think it gets missed, too. I mean, and, and no offense to our friends in the Zumba world, but, um, for instance, you can get certified to be a level one Zumba instructor in seven hours, I think. Yeah. Like, and granted, I'm not saying with cycle. Yeah. Cycle is a one day, one day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now you could argue, how do you compare Zumba to yoga? I mean, which is fair, but when we think of how it's presented mostly in studios and gyms, it is a physical activity, at least to begin with. Sure. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I, I hear you. Like, I think 200 hours, we shouldn't knock the mm. the basic functional understanding and the breadth and depth that students are walking out with. And I don't know about your experience, but my guess is it's quite similar. These students are walking away with an understanding that they don't understand. And there's that humility of, I need to learn more. I need to practice more. And standing up and holding space for other students is part of that journey and that practice and that, and, and, you know, mm -hmm. that, that ex exploration that I don't know if you're finding when you graduate from a cycling class or something like that. You might just be like, great, I can do that, and I'm going to go do it now. Yeah, and I think, I think and, it, and this is sort of part of the follow-up question is, you know, yoga is so vast that, like, you couldn't possibly police, you know, what people are teaching. Like, how am I supposed to know, you know, what lineage you're teaching in a yoga studio? You know, I mean, there are yeah. so many different lineages out there, right? How could we possibly know which ones are correct or wrong or right? I mean, yeah, right. There's so like, and we're not even talking about, I'm not talking about the physical stuff at all. I'm talking about the pranayama. I'm talking all about of it. like all of it. And right? when do you introduce it? Right. Like, I mean, sure. the Iyengar's introduced pr pranayama after you're like a level three or four asana practitioner, whereas Kundalini pranayama is like breath of fire day right. one. Right. Like, yeah. so no, exactly. Like, so how are you gonna how are you gonna regulate that? Like, if I open a stu if I open a school that's that's based on, I don't know, that's based in bhakti yoga, and like we're gonna go over like we're gonna go over chanting and we're gonna go over playing you know instruments and we're gonna go under devotional right yoga. Like, well, who am I to say like that's wrong? Right, right. And who are we at all in the West to say it's wrong? I mean, right. and that's the uh, that would get to my follow up question, which is. Who are we to kind of like, because this is a, a, a tradition from India, right? So like, why are we setting these standards? Yeah. A couple of white people from Virginia. Right. right? So like, it's kind of, you know. No, it's, it, it's, it's, it's so complicated. And I love, I love the times in which we're living right now. I mean, it's so, 
complicated and hard and particularly being white people in Virginia. Right. Um, it's really tough because, but I love the voices that are rising up mm -hmm. and I love the conversation of equity and yoga, yoga and accessibility and cultural appropriation and all of those types of things. Cause we are a microcosm of what's happening around us. So for us to stay silent on those things is, it would be deafening, right, in its mm -hmm. own way to, to just be, turn a blind eye and say, oh, this doesn't happen in yoga. Of course it happens in yoga. Not It is not yoga. It is the people that surround it. It is the industry that surrounds it. It's the humankind that happens around it. Um, yoga is the solution to a lot of this, right? But mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean that it's not wrapped around in its own complicated mess. And um, so I love that like people are peeling back the onion and trying to have some of these tough conversations. And I look forward to Yoga Alliance stepping in more than we have in recent past and not trying to own the conversation or say we have an answer at all, but to try to help elevate voices that have been in the conversation for a while um, and to bring people around the table. Maybe we can even do that here one day of like literally bringing this conversation to mm -hmm. this podcast and um, just the greater population. Mm -hmm. So tell us, um, kind of break down for us the timeline here, or what you, what you are looking to do with the new standards. Right? Um, so there's, so there's going to be basically the new standards really only apply to the schools, correct? Or they're going to be different standards applied to two uh, teachers. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep thinking to the email. I got a very, I got a very sternly worded email about how we're not talking about yoga instructors. We're talking about yoga teachers. And I thought to myself, okay, you want to play this lawyer game? We can play this lawyer <laughs> game. I was a lawyer for ten years. We can play yeah, this yeah. game if you want. <laughs> well, we we do. Act, you were an attorney. I didn't know I that. Was an attorney oh, for ten wow. years. Oh wow, corporate yeah. law. Yeah. Oh, how did you? Well, I was a litigator. So okay, yeah. that's that's kind of fun. I bet. Yeah, a little it, bit. It was a little bit fun. Yeah, I learned a lot about an awful lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mostly, I mostly learned that I was had no business being a lawyer. Right, right. <laughs> and, and leaving it was the best thing I ever did. And here um, you are. I know. Here I am. That's exactly. awesome. Um, um, we actually do use the word teacher. I laugh at that because we actually do say teacher and not instructor. Um, but is, do you like? Do you know why? Like, is there? Well, so. And I, I shouldn't speak on behalf of, of this gentleman, but um, I was listening to a podcast with Leslie Kamenoff, and he actually had a really, I thought he had a really good definition, and that was, you know, in an ideal state, graduating from a 200-hour, you would be an instructor, while as graduating from a 500-hour, you become a teacher. Um, and the idea is that if you're an instructor... Right, right. Um, and if you're, because if you're an instructor, you can teach someone how to do something, but you might not be able to teach the knowledge, the understanding, the depth behind it. Yeah. And that really is the teacher. Um, and I understood that almost immediately when he said that. The challenge is it's our, for the most part, it's interchangeable. Right. And we, there's no way we could say, okay, well, if you graduate from an RYS 200, you are a registered yoga instructor. And if you graduate from an RYS 500, you are now a registered yoga teacher. Like, it, it's too late, I think, in the game to pull that back and try to define it in a certain stance with respect to yoga. So we have just adopted teacher because that is our goal is that the teachers do have this breadth, depth of knowledge and understanding that they can impart to their students in a way that an instructor isn't just standing up and instructing a class. They are teaching. They are helping guide someone along this practice. Yeah, and I guess that's fair. It's just that it, it's weird because, like... <sighs> If yoga studios were more yoga studios instead of asana studios, I would get that. Yeah. But they're asana studios. And as asana studios, what you're teaching is fitness. 
you're not you're not really teaching yoga, right? I mean, you are, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. Like you're that's, re- you're that's dribbling the, in that's, a That's the bit reason why we call them instructors at Vita because like we're in the fitness industry. We're not in the education industry. Yeah. Right? So yeah, that yeah. was sort of like, okay. No, it, it, it's <laughs> interesting for sure. And, you know, my teacher from New York, this lovely woman, Chrissy Carter, um, and I'm sure it's probably not unique to her, but um, I remember it because she's the teacher who told me this. It was you sprinkle in what they want. You were giving them what they want so you can sprinkle in what they need. And so right now we need movement. We need fitness. We need just like activity. So, yes, we've approached it. And to some extent, you know, almost defined yoga in the West as asana. And to some extent, that's on us, right? But like, totally. if we can start sprinkling in those other layers, um, I don't know a single yoga teacher out there who doesn't want to teach more yoga yeah, in class. Totally. And there are some um, lineages that are probably stronger and better at that. Like, I think um, if you look at um, if you look at Iyengar, I mean, I'm certainly biased being a student of the Iyengar practice, but um, they definitely insert pranayama and they s- insert meditation in classes and they insert the sutras and things like that. Um, but it's a completely different style. But um, mm-hmm. but no, a lot of what you get is inhale, exhale, step forward, step back, like, ah, breathe. Yeah. <laughs> don't forget to breathe. And don't forget to breathe, exactly. Um so, okay, so we're going to have new standards that are coming in on board, and uh, I want to thank you personally for um, grandfathering my uh, my program in for the last, next couple of years, because it is going to take me some time to get my 300 hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that, you know what I mean? So it was, you know, there was, there's definitely like a way for schools to to adapt to that, yeah. and uh, you're giving us some time to like, to, to make those changes, and that helped, that's very helpful. Good. You know? Yeah, I you mean, know? our goal is not to disrupt the profession of, of yoga by any means. Um, it would be stupid number one to do it but number two a lot of us are teachers ourselves or we operate schools ourselves and so we recognize that changes the changes we make actually have significant impact on people's livelihoods and so we did want to be really thoughtful with the timeline we started with our RYS 200 um, because it is the credential that creates the majority of our members Um, this summer in June we'll be announcing up-leveled standards behind the RYS 300 and the RYS 500. Um, And then soon after that, we'll be looking at our specialty credentials, which we offer right now in prenatal yoga and in children's yoga, and then even exploring should there be other specialty credentials. Um, I'm not making it up, but... um, these are not guaranteed, but like yoga nidra or yin yoga or restorative yoga or things like that, um, that are more specialized, um, variations of, and you mentioned the teacher and like, are there going to be new standards underlying the teacher? Again, the school does create the teacher. So we're not changing those standards. Those standards do impact the school. What we are changing for the very first time is asking a commitment of teachers. It used to just be for lack of a better description, almost a pass through invite. So, okay. You know, Vita fitness graduated you, um, your school actually it probably isn't called Vita Fitness, is it? I don't know what it is called. It is Vita. okay. So Vita, Vita Fit, yeah, great. So yeah. Vita Fitness graduates you. Congratulations, Catherine well, Marquette. And the reason why is because they paid for it. Well, thank yeah. you, Vita. I, Fitness. I, w- I would love to call it yeah. Crispy Yoga School, but I don't think they would have paid for it then. Possibly <laughs> not. Uh, possibly not. So the Vita Fitness Yoga School presented by. Um, so. Um, you know, you would graduate the teacher. The teacher in the past used to just say, okay, great, I can upload my certificate and join. Um, Moving forward also in February, all registered yoga teachers will actually sign an ethical commitment that includes an up-leveled code of conduct as well as a brand new scope of practice, Um, which is really cool, I think, because it is no longer this just pass-through almost 
brainless, thoughtless activity mm-hmm. that a teacher has to do. A teacher now has to actually think about what is my space as a teacher? Do I, do I agree to abide by this code? Do I agree to understand what my scope of practice is? Like I'm not a licensed physical therapist. I can't diagnose any sort of an injury mm-hmm. or suggest treatment for anything. And I think that's it's a, like taking an oath. It is. It yeah. is a little bit like taking an oath. Yeah. And I think there, I don't think most of our teachers will balk at that. You know, I, most people going into this discipline and supporting this practice already have a very strong ethical commitment themselves. And ideally already carry themselves according to these behaviors. Um, But it is now, to me, it's just this sweet um, commitment that I'm making to myself and to my students. I'm making to you as another teacher. And it's really, again, just solidifies this voluntary community of schools and teachers that we're we're building and bringing together. Mm -hmm. What was was sort of the impetus for changing things around? Like in other words, we had we had a system, and then it was like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna like we're gonna change the system. Like, what was sort of the impetus to, yeah. for for doing that? It's a good question. I think when David Lipsius started about two and a half years ago, he had come from about five years up at Kripalu, so he had been an, an executive in the yoga space. And when he came to Yoga Alliance, it was roughly 17 and a half, 18 years into the existence. And as he was there and uncovering things, he realized that the standards, while they had been tweaked occasionally here and there, there hadn't really been a deep dive into, do these standards from 1999 still serve the current day situation? Mm -hmm. And it was an opportunity to get to know the community, to get to know the members, to reach out and say, hey, we want to hear from you. We want feedback. You know, what what are we doing well? Where are we lacking? Where are your biggest concerns? and fears when it comes to the yoga space and where it's growing and knowing that the whole reason why Yoga Alliance was created back in 99 was because of the proliferation of teachers and, and practitioners and how do we identify quality and then to see the exponential growth over the past 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. it was just the right moment. Mm-hmm. Um, new leadership, the ability to come in and really evaluate this and um, it's it's just fortuitous that it's all happening with respect to the announcement and the ability to really step up and show up differently as the association, um, that it's our 20th as mm-hmm. well. Like from a marketer standpoint, I'm like, Oh, that's brilliant. Like we couldn't have planned it more perfectly, but mm-hmm. it wasn't that it was just, you know, more so new leadership coming in and, um, the board of directors, you know, who are, fantastic yoga school owners and yoga teachers themselves and all voluntary, which I have mad respect for that. I mean, I love what I do, but it it is my job. I earn a paycheck. These Mm -hmm. people who really help, you know, with us from a leadership standpoint are all just voluntary, really caring about what it is that we do. Um, and they gave permission for the board or for the leadership to go down this path. Give us, uh, if you can, a broad overview of the company. How many employees, like part-time, full-time? How many volunteers? Like where's it based? Et cetera, yeah. Et cetera. yeah, so we are in Rosslyn, Virginia. So yeah, it's right yeah. across the Key Bridge in yeah. Arlington, um, right outside of Washington, D.C. So I know most of the people here are probably D.C.-based, but they're hopefully, maybe not, someone could be listening from Yoga Alliance Australia. Who knows? Oh, yeah, we, <laughs> I'll show you afterwards the amount of countries that the people listen to. Are you to in 104 me. countries as Not well? 104, but we, I, do have, I do have some listeners in Thailand. So oh, that's it, cool. cool. That's yeah. really cool. And some, yes, yeah. One of the things I want to do, I don't know if it's a good idea or a bad idea, but remember when you go into Barnes & Noble or just even like solid street books or something that they usually have a bookshelf of 
you know, employee favorites. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I want to do that on our website of just curating the best of the best yoga podcasts. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, I just think that would be really cool. Like, That's oh, cool. Catherine, listened to this podcast and it was really cool. Listen exactly. at minute like, 28. Like highlighting different ones every Totally. Because yeah. there's such good stuff out there and the conversations are amazing. And yeah. um, why not? put it all together and let people listen and explore. So maybe we'll have you on there. Oh, well, Th- maybe nice. this episode. I know, right? <laughs> I'll be a little biased though. So, um, so um, sorry. So there's how many people working at headquarters? Yeah. There's... So I think we just surpassed 50 employees. What? In this full-time past, employees? Yeah, full-time really? employees. Wow. The majority of which are in the credentialing and member services. So really serving the applications of schools and teachers and then all the back end on the account side. It's pretty laborious to run a credentialing organization. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Um, it's a lot so of paperwork. A lot of paperwork. And you guys are all sitting in a an ashram and bare feet. And yeah, no, it's no, but <laughs> you're in an office park in Roslyn. We yeah. are in an office park. You have to use like an ID badge yeah. to swipe to even get in on the elevator. But um, once we're inside, we actually have a yoga studio, that, a space that is fully a studio for us. We do centering every morning at 9.55 a.m. We do a weekly yoga class either taught by one of the teachers on staff or we bring in guest teachers like Jay Brown was in town Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago doing a sun and moon workshop and we invited him to stop by and speak to staff and lead us into a class and Diane Bondi did this a few months ago and so it's really cool it's an it's an awesome space and there are a lot of people who run around in yoga clothes every single day because they're sitting in Sukhasana at their desks or standing in tree pose as they're responding to emails (laughs) and it's it's kind of wild. You should come see it one day. That is wild. I yeah. would love to come see yeah, it. Yeah, you should. I think that's really cool. I would love to come see that. Because, uh, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I left the law is because I wanted to walk around in yoga clothes all day. Then you'd be who perfect. Doesn't, who doesn't? You'd be right? perfect. We yeah. might be hiring soon. You can come yeah. work for us. Know, that's great. <laughs> I, I'm wearing jeans today. This is the first time in like eight months that I've been wearing jeans. Um, no, that's really cool. Um, and uh, I guess. Um, Looking to the future, like you said that this is going to be something where schools are going to be credentialed every three years. Are we talking about the same thing with 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 uh, teachers? Because one of the things that um, that we do to become, you know, to put that E in front of your your name, right, is you have to upload like all the classes that you taught and you have to get that. Or is, are we, you know, and we, it's so painful. It's very painful. Ugh. Are we like we are we revamping that? Like, what are we doing? Are we doing anything with that either or? Yeah, so we're really making an investment in our technology systems to try to make things as easy as possible. And right now it's not easy. Um, I, um, we're looking at mind-body, you know, at other s- systems like that that schools and, and gyms and studios are using to log hours and to track everything. We're trying to see if there's any sort of back end where it would be easy to connect the system so that a member doesn't have to manually log hours on an yeah. Excel spreadsheet. I mean, that sounds like 1999, quite frankly, and we're entering 2020. I mean, there there's technology out there that exists that can streamline some of this. So though not every school or studio runs off of those types of platforms, MindBody has a pretty significant share, at least in the U.S., of of that. And I'm sure there are others as well that we want to survey. Yeah, right. They're going to give you access to their database? You know, no chance. Possibly not access, <laughs> but if there's any sort of behind the scenes gotcha, like yeah. um, that can connect, because um, that has to be improved. I mean, yeah. otherwise, if we, we can hold all the accountability we want to on the application standpoint, but then if we've got loopholes like that on the back end where we're not able to verify and we're not able to checks and balances, we're kind of perpetuating... I mean, potentially but, the same thing. Yeah, but and kind of, but kind of fair because, like, listen, if you want that, you want that e, you got to take the time to upload your classes. Like, that's part of the hard work, you know. I it mean, is true. Like, it is it's true. Kinda, 
Um, all right, so we won't change that at well, all. No, you I'm heard just, it I'm right saying, here. Chris yeah. said not to. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, we're gonna we're gonna include your email address when people write in about that. I know, I'll be like, just I know. just email Chris. I wish people would email me. No one emails me on my podcast. They they don't. They stop me on the street and they say, "Hey, I listen to your podcast," but they don't email me. Oh, guys, kind of like that actually. Email you know? Chris. I know. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then one. So one of the questions I always have always had. This is another one of those kind of questions that floats around out there. How come we don't? How come like fifty hour trainings don't count towards like five hundred hour trainings? Ah, uh, like a module system, yeah. a building on top. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I always thought that was kind of strange because like that's one of the ways I could get to five hundred is I could take a Yin training and then I could take like a Ashtanga training, I could take a rocket training, and then all those would add up to five hundred, and it would be like okay, I have the hours, you know. Yeah, I know that has been part of the debate. Our standards team actually just kicked off task forces on the RYS 300 and the RYS 500 credentials, and nothing's off the table in terms of exploring that and really trying to see. I mean, I did my 300 hour with Yoga Works in New York, and it was done within a six-month every other weekend module, or not module, but schedule Mm -hmm. yoga works has actually gone into a module format now with their 300 hour where it's spread over two years and it's you know a big workshop every so often focused on x y or z um because of that exact reason of while it is all within the yoga works methodology just people don't necessarily have time they don't have access um we're not talking about cheap programs, right? These are expensive yeah. and they're investments almost like... Yeah, because when you take the rocket training, it's, you know, that's $700 right there. Yep. And you're getting 50 hours, but none of it counts. None of it counts right, right and now. And so you're like, wow, I just... You know, it's 700 bucks, so you can do a whole training for... 2800 bucks, yeah, right? Exactly. So. so I do know that our standards team and the task forces that are making up the core curriculum aspect of it and the mentorship aspect of it, et cetera, are taking into consideration how these programs are operating and what might the void be. And mm-hmm. I can't promise that those sorts of trainings will be able to kind of mash together to create something, but I'm also not going to say it's not that. I know that they're really looking out there and trying to have conversations with people like yourself who are committed to the learning and the teaching, Mm -hmm. but are also honest of, hey, I mean, I don't even know if there is an RYS 300 in DC right now. There is actually. Oh, there is? Yeah, yeah. So Hari leads one. Oh, very nice. Interested, yes. Yeah. Hari leads one. It's starting in uh, February, I believe. That's great. Um, And I know Alicia Moyer used to lead one too. And uh, I don't know if she's doing one this time around, but I know she was leading one for a yeah. while there as well in her own studio. So and there we are a couple. What, like 2.4 million people in the DMV, and we might yeah. have one or two. And I, I, and I think Deb used to offer oh, one. Oh, at Flow? At Flow used to offer one at Total. But you're right. There, yeah. aren't, there aren't a lot. There, there aren't, aren't a lot. lot. And so um, that is that is something that we have to take into consideration when we when we do make changes. And, and mm-hmm. so who knows? Maybe a year from now we'll have a conversation about this hodgepodge 300, I don't yes, know. Yes, well, I mean, you know. <laughs> we it, won't call it hodgepodge. There's bound to be a better better yeah. phrase to it. No, and I'm, I'm you know, and I, I uh, it's, it's, it's given me the uh, motivation to uh, to go to India. So I'm going to go to India to get my 300 hour. That's amazing. So, uh, when are you going? Probably this, uh, probably in June. That's cool. Probably in June. I haven't picked a program yet, but I'll probably go in June. Um, so I'll go over there and uh, spend five weeks in ashram and do yoga. That's amazing. For 18 hours a day. Go absolutely fucking crazy. Possibly. <laughs> It'll go <good> <laughs> um, anything, uh, any websites that we want you want to share with us? Any resources that you really like online? Um, you know, for yoga personally or from Yoga Alliance, whatever. Yeah. Oh goodness. Um, 
I mean, certainly yogaalliance.org is mm-hmm. a great resource, um, though it's it's being reworked as well. I'm really excited. I think in the next year we'll have a brand new website. Um, I actually really do love the Pilates Method Alliance mm-hmm. website. I think it's so clean and, and easy to use. And we are looking right now at revamping our whole education um, system on there as well as bringing to life this amazing yoga efficacy research that we've partnered with um, Satbir Kasal up in uh, Boston mm-hmm. to just show the fact that yoga works and um, it is mind body breath connection as we know and it's proven to help on the on the early side of disease and on the back end of disease as well and so that's going to be really exciting work to bring to life mm-hmm. um, which I love um, there are so many great podcasts as I as we said like that are just out there this of course is obviously a great one <laughs> um, but um, I don't know. I, I listen to a lot right now. I, interestingly enough, and I say that just because he's he's sometimes a critic of us. But um, Jay Brown's bo- podcast yeah, I think great. is awesome. That's like great, I listen right? to it almost every week, and I have such appreciation for how he's trying to um, approach the equity conversation. I mean, he, we when we met with him a couple of weeks ago, we were chatting about it. I mean, he's definitely stumbling along as a white dude in yoga, trying to hold space for it, and he admits like I don't know how to do this, and I have just such respect and. Like the thing is he's doing it. He knows how to do it just by having the conversations mm-hmm. and holding it. So I really, he's almost like a must tune in for me just cause I really, I like it. And I also like to hear what mm-hmm. sometimes our critics say about us. And he, he's, he was really great in the conversation in that he's like, I'm not, he's like, I'm critical because I care, you know, he's like, we need yoga Alliance to be successful. You know, like yeah. we, we don't want to have government come in and regulate. And you know, this is self, it is a self-regulating organization and it does hopefully more good than harm Mm -hmm. um and certainly we can do a lot better at many of things but i think we've got the right pieces in place to see the vision and be the organization that our members want the community wants and we quite frankly want Mm -hmm. where do we find you on the web oh i'm at yogacatherine.com i can't believe you got that you got that that domain name I would, I would imagine that would be a pretty popular one. You must have gotten that early. I did get it early. <laughs> and unfortunately, my website rarely changes. So you can tell just on it, it's like however I created it three years ago, it's almost the same. But the I've schedule actually, does change. Uh, you're not the first uh, marketing person who does it as a profession that uh, for their personal stuff doesn't do very much oh, marketing. Oh, I'm horrible at it. <laughs> like, it's so funny. I'm like, I'm so good at putting other people out there. But when it comes to me, it's yeah. like, eh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people um, will find me if they want to find me. That's very true. Um, so great to have you on the show. Yeah, Catherine. thank you so much. It was nice to be here. Yeah. Um, so you've been listening to the DC Yoga podcast. I'm um, your host, Chris, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Take care.